0: Amen. 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 Good morning, Bridge Church. Oh, I like that. How are you guys doing today? Good. All right. Well, you ready to praise the Lord? Yes. We're gonna praise Him through the Word today. So welcome everybody online. I'm everybody in person. We're glad that you're here with us. We are actually in part five of a series we've been in called Church on the Move. We've been in the book of Acts. It's a wonderful book. It's amazing because we get a chance to see what the Spirit of God is doing through his people. Amen? Amen. I, I couldn't help but think about, um, this, this might have been like 20 years ago, um, we, uh, me and my wife, we were just in a new house, but an ice storm came through North Carolina. We were living in, in the triangle, and I mean, it was a really, really bad, like not snow, ice storm. Like it, and it started, ice started coming down that night. It started getting thick on all the trees and things of that nature. And I remember in the middle of the night waking up, Cause it sounded like somebody was shooting in the woods, and um, and what it was, the trees were just snapping. Cause they were so heavy, they were just snapping and popping in half, and they were popping, and it sounded like gunshots going off. Um, and as you guys know, cause we're here down, we're in Wilmington, and you know what happens when trees start falling down, right? What goes out? Power. Power. And I mean that that during that time, it was freezing cold. It never got warm. I mean, I know, I remember we. We were actually able to take things out of the refrigerator and just leave them outside all day, like, it, and stuff stayed cold. Um, it was miserable. I mean, I'm glad we had gas at that time because we were at least able to have, um, like, take our warm showers and things of that nature. But, you know, I had to use my old-school kerosene heater to keep the rooms warm and everything. But we were just struggling. It was, it was just miserable. I was heating up food on my grill outside, and I was like... This is bananas. This is just, this is just crazy. Like, I don't know, you know, how people do this. And this is the longest. I've been without power before for maybe a day or two, but this was like a week. We went, I went like seven days without power, and it was crazy. And I remember we were walking around the house, and you know, it was borderline depressed, trying to, you know, it's just like, gosh, when is, this, when is this thing? When are they going to get the power on to get things fixed? and All of a sudden, you know, the, the lights came on, and we were in there. We were like, it's electric. Boogie We were like, uh, oh, and we were like, oh, uh, uh. We, we didn't do that. We didn't do that. Yeah. I felt like doing that, though. Um, and, it, and it just made me think. I was like, how on earth did people go so long without power? Like, it, it, and if we think about it, electricity has been around since the beginning. Um, but Y'all might even know people in your own family. You might have a grandfather or grandmother, you know, that, that grew up without electricity. And so it's not like this is something that, that's far off, right? And Electricity has been around, but it took humans a long time to figure out how to use it and, and how to harness it, right? It's, been, it's been, around, been, been around for a minute. In the same way, what we need to understand what's going on here in Acts chapter 2 is that the Spirit of God is how we access The power of God. And here's the thing. The Spirit of God has been around for a very long time. You can go to Genesis 1 and you can look at verse 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but the the earth was shaped without form, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. So you need to know, number one, When we start talking about the Spirit of God, we're not talking about something that's brand new. If it's new to you, you need to understand it's not new to God. All right? He's been around for a while. And what makes what we see and what we read about last week in Acts 2, the first 13 verses, is that this is not just a biblical event that takes place. This is not just something for people that read the scriptures. This was a moment in human history. Just like when electricity was found out and now most of the world has power, in Acts chapter 2, for the first time in the history of the world, the Spirit of God has been poured out. And it's a monumental event. And it wasn't because of human discovery. It wasn't because of science. It was because Jesus, the creator of the universe, promised that he would send power to his people. So listen, all I'm doing today is preaching a sermon about a sermon. Because this sermon is the explanation. Reverend Peter is about to break some stuff down. He's going to say, y'all want to know what's going on with this power stuff? I'm about to break it down in a sermon right here today. Now, here's the thing that I think is phenomenal. This context that he's in is eerily similar to, I think, the context that we're currently in right now. Many of us here, even in this church. Last week, Pastor Ethan delivered a powerful sermon entitled The Empowered Life. And to sum that sermon up, he's basically saying that it's impossible to live out the will of God without the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not walking in the will of God. You don't really know him if you're not walking in the spirit of God. Because the spirit is the one who drew you to himself. His spirit is how you're going to even know who he is, know what his will is, and even being able to walk things out. Why? Because as humans... We're too weak. We're too sinful. All right? We're, 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 we're too human. We need someone supernatural. We need somebody to put some, some super on our natural. All right? That, that, that's what it is. And here's what you got to understand. When the Spirit of God shows up, it drew a crowd. It drew a crowd of people. Um, they're like, listen to these drunk people from, from, from Galilee and they're doing all this talk. Ain't they from like Burgall? Ain't they from that little small thing? What, what, what are they doing speaking, speaking all these different languages? They must be drunk. What's, what's going on with them? That's how it ended last week. And, and let me just say this for believers that's in the room. See, our desire, you know, as, a, as leaders here at your church, we want you to be full of the Spirit. That's what we want. We want you to be full. How, how is that a bad thing? That can't be a bad thing if the Spirit, the power of God, you're full of the power. Of God, And here's the thing, often when you're full of the power of God, you might get written off. Because people don't understand that your thinking is different. They don't understand that your whole countenance is different. They, they, they don't understand now where your strength really comes from. It's not from your intellect. It's not from the things that you do. It's not from your bank account. It, it comes from this place that they've never seen before because your strength is coming from God. They don't understand why you can be long-suffering now where you were short-tempered before. They don't understand those kind of things. And I'm going to tell you, anytime you see something spiritual happen like this, people should ask, and they're going to ask, like, what does this mean? And that's what we saw in verse 13 in Acts chapter 2. What, what does this mean? What, what, what is going on here? And, th- and let me just say this. It's always very dangerous to try to explain spiritual phenomena, things that are spiritual, without scriptural basis. So Reverend Peter... Is about to give us both. He's about to break it down all the way to the ground. And I think that if they ask, what does this mean? I think if he titled this sermon, he would have titled, this is that. You want to know what it is? This is that. Let me break it down to y'all. All right, Acts 2, 14 through 21. He's basically going to prove that this was always God's plan of rescue. This was always God's plan of salvation for his people. So look at verse 14. Peter, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea, this is going to be important, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, okay? Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. Anytime somebody says give ear to my words, that means you need to listen. I noticed somebody told me when I preach, I say, listen a lot, listen up, listen. I say that a lot, but that's what he's saying, listen, listen, give me your ear. Now, here's what you need to understand first, the context, because the text can never mean what it never meant. You need to understand who these people are and what's going on. This is Judea and Jerusalem. These are Jews. Why is that important, Pastor Chris? That's important because you need to understand that these people here are very familiar with the Scriptures. They're very familiar with the temple. They're very familiar with priests. In bloody sacrifice, they're very familiar with, 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 with Sabbaths. That's the even reason why all these people are there, gathered there, because they're, they're actually remembering a Sabbath. They're, they're, they're remembering the Pentecost. They're doing those things. Um, they got the songs of David on their Spotify pay- playlist. They, they, they know it. Th- these are people that are very familiar with all these things, but they are not familiar with the power of the Spirit. How is that like what we have right now? Many of you, many of us are very familiar with Sunday school. Some of y'all are familiar with VBS. What does that stand for? Vacation Bible School. That's old school for people. some people right now. Get your little cookies and get your little stuff together, get your little drink to make your tongue turn red. Vacation Bible School. You're familiar with that. You're familiar with, with 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 study groups. You might have been in some Bible study groups. You're familiar with Bible stories. You know about Jonah. You know about the Red Sea. You know about you know you, you've heard the stories before. You can quote popular verses like John 3:16, and you you know what that means. And and um and, and you got Maverick City and Kurt Franklin and Chris Tomlin on your playlist. And and um you, you know you you've seen some baptisms. Some of y'all might have even been baptized. You've taken communion a couple times. You make sure you go to church on Christmas. And then on Easter, and you're very familiar with all the things around God. You might even seen somebody give their life to Christ, cry out to God. But are you familiar with the power of the Spirit? Okay. Okay. Do you see how this context is just like ours right now? And this should be the question that I hope that you ask throughout this whole entire series. Is God moving like this in our church? Is he moving like that in me? Is the Spirit of God inside of me, and God has God revealed himself to me through his Spirit? Am I seeing this? Because this is us. So this is that, but this is also us. This is our family. The stuff you're reading about are people with the same, that's the same Spirit that resides in us. The same Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that we're talking about here. So if this feels foreign, is this the same Spirit? Keep reading. Look at verse 15. For these people are not drunk. So, he's, so y'all want to know, I know this looks strange, and I know you've been in church for a long time, and you ain't never seen this before, but for all y'all to think this is strange, let me help you understand. They are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. That means it's 9 a.m. They ain't got drunk at 9 a.m. Y'all calm down, all right? But this is what, so this is him saying this is that. This is what was uttered through the prophet Job. That scripture that y'all familiar with, let me help y'all understand what, what it is. This is Joel chapter two. Love this. In the last days. So if Joel said this a long time ago and he's reading it right now, that lets us know that the last days are here. When Jesus died and was resurrected and came on the cross, the last days are here. The last days aren't coming. These are, we're in the last days. We've been in the last days since Jesus died on the cross. In the last days, it shall be, because this is that, Right? God declares that I will pour my spirit out on one person. Is that what it says? I pour my spirit out on prophets. Now, I'm going to pour my spirit out on just some men that are real strong in the faith. I'm going to pour my spirit out on them. I, 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 I'm going to pour my spirit out on, 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 on pastors and people like that. I'm gonna, what does it say? All flesh. God's plan in saving the world is him unleashing his power onto all flesh. And then it goes on to say, and your sons and your daughters will, shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, slaves, those at the lowest possible socioeconomic economic Whatever you want to call it, at the, low, the bottom of the totem pole, those people in society. God is not biased about his power. I'm going to pour my power out on everybody. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and the vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent Day, Verse 21, and it shall come to pass that everyone, love this, everyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is beautiful. In other words, nothing's going to stop the move of God. (laughs) So, listen. I'm going to say a whole lot today, but I do need you to understand it's really simple. If you call on the name of the Lord, you can be saved. It's that simple. You know why it's that simple? Because some people are like, it can't be that simple. Yes, it is that simple. You know why? Because Jesus said, I came to seek and save those that are lost. Now, here's the thing. If you're lost but somebody is seeking after you and you call out to them, they're right there. That's what God is doing. So I don't care how far away you seem from God. I don't care how deep a path sin is taking you down and how far away you might seem. You need to understand that Jesus has been pursuing you. He's poured out his power to seek you, to convince you of the truth. So it don't matter where you are, you can be in Timbuktu. I'm going country on this. You can be in Timbuktu. You call on Jesus, he will save you. Everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Remember, church, he loved you first. Before you loved him, he loved you. But before you could give everything to him, he gave everything to you. This is our God. He loved you first. Verse 22, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. I love the fact that he calls it Nazareth. You remember one of the disciples said, what good thing could come out of Nazareth, out of Burgos, right? What, what's going to come out? Of, what, what's it? This is Jesus of Nazareth. Now, here, here's, here's something that's important for us to remember. This is not Jesus of Europe, okay? So he's not blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus. This is not Jesus in Africa, so he ain't got dreadlocks or anything like that, you know, for, like, because these are images that we see all the time. We know where Jesus is from, y'all. Where is he from? Nazareth, our Middle Eastern Savior from this little town that people didn't think nothing good could come out of, that Jesus. Because listen, there's a lot of Jesus. There were a lot. Of, he wasn't the only Jesus. It's Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua. There's a whole lot of them walking around. But the one I'm talking about is the one from that little town that y'all didn't think nothing good could come out of. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. I love it. This Jesus, he's letting you know this is the one I'm talking about. That's going to be important. Delivered up according to the definite plan and the foreknowledge of God. Did you hear the love of God in this? I, that's what I want you to hear. This was just not an event in history that happened. This is something that God planned from the foundations of the earth that his son would be crucified. In 1 Peter 1.19, the same God is talking here, he would write to the church later. He would actually say, He was foreknown before the foundation of our world. That's what he was saying. To manifest himself at this time. Then he said, This you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible. Hallelujah. It was not possible for him to be held by it. The ground couldn't hold him. Now, here's the thing. Peter's talking about something crazy. He's talking about resurrection. Now, how many of y'all ever seen a resurrection? Nobody. This is crazy. You even see, have you seen somebody go in the ground for three days and then come back? This is something crazy to believe. And, and, and Peter knows this. He's preaching this to people that are very familiar with God's word and and these things. So, Peter, you know, so as you're reading this, you need to be like, so, Peter, you're in the middle of your sermon, and now you're talking about Jesus couldn't be held by the ground and and he resurrected. Now, here's the thing. Remember, there were 120 people that this started with. And guess what all those 120 people had in common? They all were with Jesus for 40 days after he resurrected. Okay? All right, so he's not talking from just... He's talking from experience, right? He's, I spoke to him. I know him. In fact, he, he rebuked me and corrected me because I denied him. and you know, So th- this is what's going on with Peter, and he's breaking this down. But how is he going to follow up this resurrection thing? Listen to what he says in verse 25. For David says concerning him in Psalm 16, I love this, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your holy one see corruption. You've made known to me the path of life. You will make full of gladness with your presence. Now he's going to break down what that's even about. Brothers, I say that to you with confidence about the patriarch David because David is talking but, David, who are you talking about? Was he talking about himself? No, David, that he both died and was buried. That dude is dead. He's in the ground. And his tomb is with us today. Being therefore a prophet, okay, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about what? The resurrection of Christ. How do we know that? That he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Jesus' flesh did not see corruption. This Jesus God raised up. And of that we all, Jesus' brothers, Mary, women, the disciples, and the disciples, the disciples, the disciples, they're all witnesses to this. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, this is that, the Holy Spirit, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend to the heavens. He didn't go to the heavens, but he himself said something in in, in, in Psalm 110, and this is what it was. The Lord said to my Lord, what? So, listen, if you were Jewish and you were reading this back in the day, you should have been like, what, what? hold up. what are you? Your Lord said to your Lord, what? There's the Lord. There's what, what are you talking about, David? The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Now I, I want you all to know that Jesus right now is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us right now, saying, Chris, you better get this together. I'm using you, preach to my people. Until I make your enemies your footstools. Verse 36, let all the house of Israel, again, who is he speaking to? He's speaking to these Jews here, okay? Therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, the Messiah, the sent one, this Jesus whom you crucified. Here's the thing. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care if you're a great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather and grandmother were believers. It's not until you understand that it's your sins that place Jesus Christ on the cross. It's not till you understand that we all denied him. We all betrayed him. Because it sounds like P- Peter is sitting here telling them, you, 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 did. But he's talking about himself too when he says this because he denied Jesus three times. It's not until you come to grips that it was your sins, not, not all these bad people in the world, not all these people. That, it's your sins that put Jesus on the cross. It's not until then you'll even understand what's about to happen in verse 37. Okay? Look at verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Let's pause right there for a moment. They just heard the gospel broken down. Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection, and what it's going to mean for the power of God to come into your life so that you can live this thing out. They just just heard that. And I'm going to tell you right now, you are always responding to the gospel, this message. Because whether you like it or not, it already happened. It's already been done. And see, when I read Romans 1, I learned something. I learned that there's not one human being on this planet that's going to be without an excuse for, for two reasons. One is because God revealed himself to everybody. I know people, the first thing, what about that person that lives on the island? God made that island. God can speak to people on that island. He's he revealed himself by making that island and that water and everything around it. God has made himself known and he's poured his spirit out onto all flesh to convince you of the truth. Okay? So we're not going to be with an excuse. I heard somebody say God made man kind, but sin made man cruel. And I need you to understand the urgency of responding. And here's what's going to happen. Every time the gospel is preached, whether you hear it in a church, whether you hear it through a song, whether you hear it through your neighbor, whether you hear it when you're out and about, whether you're watching a movie, whether it's in your dreams, or wherever you hear it from, you're going to do one of two things. Your heart is either going to get cut and get soft, or your heart is going to stiffen and get hard. You're always responding to the gospel. Even believers we have to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. I have to believe God every day. That's why, we, that's why I say I, I still, even if you've experienced the power of God, you still need to be full. You need to ask God to fill you because you need to constantly remind yourself of what God is doing. And I just encourage you today, don't harden your hearts. Soften your hearts. Let that heart of stone become a heart of flesh and receive what God is saying. And I know some of y'all are right You're right there. You're right there. There was a song that came out in 1984 by a gospel group called The Winans. And this song was called Tomorrow. It's a beautiful song. It's like a ballad. But it's also kind of somber. And the song, here's some of the lyrics in the song. It says, Jesus said, I am he who supplies all your needs. And you said, I know, but tomorrow, but tomorrow. And that person says, "I'll give my life tomorrow. I thought about today, but it's so much easier. Hard, right? To say tomorrow." Then the songwriter says, "Who promised you tomorrow? You better choose the Lord today." And here's why: for tomorrow, very well, might be today. Today. I urge you to respond to this Jesus, not responding to your personal Jesus, not the Jesus that you shape and you mold and that doesn't fit to what you're trying to do right now. I know people say they want to have a personal relationship with Jesus. I want you to have a personal relationship with Jesus, but that's not your personal Jesus. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Jesus has already defined himself. He is who he he is. I I, I want you to to get to know and choose today, not tomorrow, the Jesus, not the Jesus that's in a frame, not the Jesus that's on your necklace, but Jesus of Nazareth. Um, To my Muslim friends, I want you to know that like, not Jesus that was just a prophet not, 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 not Jesus that just has a lot of good teachings and says some really good things that you can apply to your life morally to help yourself out. No, not that Jesus, but the Jesus that God ba- made both Lord and Christ. That, that, that Jesus, not, not, not Jesus is just a priest because he's not just any priest. He's the high priest that is not unable, unlike human priests, to sympathize with your weaknesses because he's been tempted in every way that you attempted. Yet he was without sin. Therefore, you can approach his throne of grace with boldness. That Jesus is the one I'm talking about. The Jesus that resurrected from the ground. The Jesus that appeared to his disciples for 40 days and 40 nights and was breaking down to them that this whole Bible, this whole thing from Genesis up until Malachi and everything in there has been about me. That Jesus. Surrender to him today. And the reason why I can say that so passionately because that's my story. That's my story. I was that guy. I was like the Jews. I've been, I went to church. I sang in the choir. I got up on stage. I was saying but I had not experienced the power of the Spirit because I was still trusting Chris and not trusting Christ. Yeah. And it wasn't until I surrendered to the Spirit and the Spirit helped me to understand how dark and deep my sin had taken me and how I was really just trying to, to mold Jesus into my image and into my likeness until I understood that I didn't experience the freedom. Now I have a life and life more abundantly. And it's still taking a long time for me to get it together but I'm trusting God every day with it, And I can feel the power of the Lord working in me and through me. Notice that in verse 37 they said, Brothers, what shall we do? And listen, you're going to hear this question all the time throughout Acts. Because when the Spirit of God shows up in your life, in, a, in, in our church, in other churches in this city, in other churches of the, of the world, when we send our people out as missionaries in different places, listen, the Spirit of God shows up and people are going to ask, What, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, and, and that's my prayer. I pray to believer here that we're living the kind of lives. That when people meet us, they'll still say, what are we going to do? Because I'm looking at your life and I can see that Jesus still heals. I can look at your life and say that Jesus still reconciles. I can look at your life and say, Jesus still forgives. I can, I can look at your life and say, Jesus still saves. That's why I love to hear testimonies. That's why I love to hear people talk about how they overcame this world by the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony. I love to hear that. That was, that was one of the blessings about annual Vision night as we came together as members of a church of, of, our, of our church, um, you know for about 30 minutes, people were just testifying about what Jesus had done, how Jesus had delivered them, how Jesus had made them new, how Jesus had given them new identity, how Jesus gave them purpose, and it was good to hear that in 2021. It's good to hear that, because God is still on the move, and God is still powerful. So how do these people respond, or, or what does Peter say? What does Peter say? What should we do? Look at verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent. That means to to turn all the way around, 180. Go this way. Repent. He said, Repent and be baptized. Not some of y'all. You know, y'all kin to Abraham over there. You know, Abraham's the father of faith. That's what makes you so Jewish and all that. You you ain't got to repent, you ain't got to do that. No, every one of you repent. You can't make it into heaven off the coattails of any other human being. The only coattails you're going to make it on is Jesus because he took your place. This is so important for us to remember. I, I, I pray this because I just, I feel like I meet so many people so often They've been in. They've been in and around church so long, but they have not repented and they have not been baptized. And this baptism we're talking about is that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You 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 showed like there, Our tank is over there, but that's an outward expression of something that the Spirit already did. Right, right. That that does not make you know Jesus. You know Jesus, so you do that so everybody can see that you know Jesus, yeah. and the family can hold you accountable the fact that you know Jesus, and you can celebrate the fact that you know Jesus. Then he says, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Wow. That's a bold statement. This is, this is one of the things that makes us different as believers in Christ. You can talk to any person from any other faith, and if you really want to get to a real serious conversation, ask them, how are your sins forgiven? Because here's the thing, you can't believe in justice if you believe that you can just, I don't know, like work your way out of sin or snap your fingers out of sin. Somebody got to pay. Somebody, we we can't let people do lawless stuff. Listen, this would be the wild, wild west if we let people get away with doing lawless stuff. But forgiveness has now been provided to us through Jesus Jesus in our place. This is monumental, church. This is monumental. Your sins can be forgiven. Some of y'all didn't never think that in, in a million years that your sins could be forgiven. Like, but, but do you know what I did? Do you, do you do, Pastor Chris, do you understand what I did? No, I don't actually. I might not. But God does. And He says if you repent and put your trust in a power that's stronger than yours, he said you'll be forgiven for your sins and you will receive Look at this, the gift of the Spirit. Verse 39, for the promise is for you. It's for you. That promise is for you right now. That power is for you right now. And Then he takes it a step further and he says, and for your children. So the, the expectation is that you teach this to your children. I'm convicted about this all the time as a parent because there's a lot of people trying to teach our children. And if you think it's the school's responsibility to teach your children, and even the church, you got it wrong. You need to know the Lord. You need to teach your children, disciple them, and trust what God can do. Because God does want to save them, but if you don't disciple them, somebody else will. And here's the thing that I love. And, so for you, your children, and for all who are far off. Get in your mind right now that person. That you think is the furthest away from God. The person that you think is the furthest away. The gospel can reach them. The power is for them. God can save them. Even your enemies. Because here's what you need to know. This is a good occasion where Peter preaches and people repent. um, And we're going to see in a minute. And people get saved. But there's going to be some times when you preach. And the Holy Spirit shows up, and people don't respond that well, okay? One of those people is a brother named Saul. Right now, he's far off. In fact, when he hears the gospel preached, his heart hardens, and he wants to see Christians killed. But guess what? The power of God showed up on his brother's life. Jesus went to his doorstep, knocked him off his high horse, and this brother went from making the church suffer the suffering for the church and wrote most of the New Testament. Even people that are far off will come to faith. I love it. Everyone whom the Lord, our God, calls where? To himself. Remember, we told you this. God calls you out. He calls you to himself. Then he sends you back out. Right? Verse 40. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying... Save yourselves from this crooked generation. And I think we can all agree that this generation is twisted and crooked. We ain't got to argue about that. Y'all know this. Save yourselves from this. How? Through repenting and trusting in this power. Here's the thing. Verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. What in the world? Now, here's the thing. Because we'll see moments where we'll see different groups of people getting saved, okay? So this wasn't an unreached group to say. When I say unreached, these are people that are very familiar with the sayings of God. They know God. They they understand. So basically, 3,000 people who thought they knew God actually got a chance to know God and experience God. Let me drive this home, and I'm done. There was a story of a man that worked a drawbridge, and this is back when drawbridges first started. We have a drawbridge here in Wilmington that opens up, and the ships go through. Some of y'all hate it. You pull up, drawbridge! (laughs) But at that time, you know, this man would work the drawbridge, and, um, and trains actually went across. It was not cars, it was trains that went across the drawbridge. Um, And this man would go to work, a very simple job, you know, hit the button, the gears open up, it opens up, um, ships go through, it makes sure it's down when the train comes through because the train is hard to stop. You can't just stop a train at any point. You got to let it down. Um, And this man um, had one son. He had one son, his young son, that, that was his life. He loved his son to death. His only son. He would take his son to work with him from time to time, and the son was just being a boy, very curious. Love to see what was going on and how things work. One day the man is working at the drawbridge and um, the young boy gets caught up in the gears for the drawbridge. He gets caught up in the gears and the man sees the train that is coming and he does not have time to get his son out of the gears, but he has to make a decision, a decision I hope nobody ever has to make. He has to make a decision. Do I let this drawbridge down and crush my son? Or do I let this train derail and let all these people on this train die? And on this train are people like me and you, eating, having a good time, laughing, sleeping, doing whatever. And this man makes one of the hardest decisions he ever has to make. He lets the drawbridge down, crushes the sun, and the train just goes by. And these people on this train never have to acknowledge this man or his son. But they're just living life and they're going on. And that's just a story. But I hope you understand what that means. Before God was able to pour out his spirit onto all flesh in order to save this world, He allowed our sin to be poured out onto his son and he allowed his son to be crushed so that we could have life. And today is the day to acknowledge that father and acknowledge the son. Don't wait. Don't wait another day. God loves you that much that he gave his only son And whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Pray with me. God, we acknowledge you, and we want to say thank you. We can't say thank you enough that you allowed your only son, sacrifice for us a perfect son a son without spot and blemish and as somebody here today while they've been around you and they've heard you Lord they need to accept who you are today and I want every eye closed every head bowed but if that's you today and you know that before your heart was hard and it was stiffened, but now you've been cut and you've heard God speak to you and you want to put your trust in Him. I want you to raise your hand. I don't, I don't, I don't want you to be ashamed. I don't want you to be ashamed. I don't care how I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you've been in church for 50 years, 60 years, if you've been in it for two months. If that's you, just raise your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. If that's you, it's okay. Jesus loves you. He wants to give you His power. He wants you to know who He is. Father God, I pray for them right now, Lord. I pray, Lord, for the power of Your Spirit to make manifest who You are. Even the deep things of God can be revealed. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, but by Your Spirit, Lord. And I pray, Father, for them right now. And I pray for all of us in this room, Lord, that know You. I pray, Lord, that every day, Lord, we will yearn to grow closer to You. And that we will pray to be full, be filled by your spirit. God, we love you, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen.